didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. The best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black Cat Report. See you on the other side. You stare into the rearview mirror and fix it to look onto your face. You can feel your hair blowing in the wind as you leave behind you a trail of bodies. Almost a country long. You put on Freebird as you feel like you're the freest man on earth. No jail can hold you and no woman can pin you down. Or man for that matter. You keep driving the byways of the U.S. to find your next victim. You move the mirror back into place, drop down your aviator sunglasses and put the pedal down. It's time to delve into the sexy serial killer, or better known as the Casanova killer, Paul John wow. Mills. Is he sexy? Wow. Uh, he kind of looks like a mix of a young oh, Robert he's Redford. Sexy. How do you know who that is? Wait, he's just a mix of himself? <laughs> he's just What's a mix in? of Ro- Robert Ron- Ralford. <laughs> What's he, he just- in? Isn't he just young Robert Redford <laughs> at that point? He's young Robert Redford. They said in the book, they said he looked like a mix between somebody else, but I can't remember the name for now. So, <laughs> what, yeah. what was he in? Robert Redford? Yeah. I don't know the name right off my head. All right, everybody, Google. I don't know if you guys can handle seeing a picture of Robert Redford because he's so dreamy. Mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Indecent Proposal, The Sting, Out of Africa, The Horse Whisperer, The Way We Were, The Last Castle, The Natural, All the President's Men, The, the Original Great Gatsby in 1974. I mean, oh, okay. Look yeah. at him. Yeah. Oh, I have. When he was her. young, he was good looking. Yeah, yeah, I looked it up and it was like this old guy. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not anymore. Like, no, nah, he used to define dime. Mm, bet to be. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> so honestly. And then I saw this old guy. Look he like didn't Mr. age well. Not to be mean, but he didn't really age well. No, he definitely yeah. didn't. He looks nothing like what he used to. Yeah, probably because yeah. he's white. it's true well welcome to the Black Cat Report, and with me is Selena. Hello. Betsabe. Hello. And Gil. Hello, hello. And I'm Joe, your host. This is the last episode of our first season, episode 52. Woo! Let's do it. Yeah. We want to thank you guys for listening through the whole season. If you've listened, popped in and out of podcast episodes, listen to them all. We really appreciate everything going on. We appreciate all the, the people that have just popped in to listen. You know, we appreciate everything you guys do, anything you guys have done on Instagram, but we just want to say thank you for listening. Yeah. We we appreciate you guys. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Thank yeah, thank you. you. Next, yeah. For next season, we got some awesome plans that we've kind of cooked up, and we're going to be starting it off with a bang. We're doing July will be Cannibal Month, so each week we'll Woo! be hitting a new cannibal. <laughs> Yeah, so break out your butcher knife, pull out your grill, and let's get eaten. There's no better way to celebrate America than by focusing on a topic that is entirely based on people consuming each other. 
Let's go. What's I mean, What's yes. also funny too is they're from different countries, <laughs> not just the U.S. Oh, wow. But it is a melting pot. But yeah. Uh, all right. Well, and that's why people suck. <laughs> Let's get into it. It's not a melting pot. It's more of a barrel full of lime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, wow, so poor. We're professional. She got jokes today. We are professionals. So let's get into it, guys. Yeah, let's. Paul get into John it. Knowles. <laughs> Paul John Knowles was born on April seventeenth, nineteen forty-six, in Orlando, Florida. Well, okay, uh, Florida. So he's an April baby. Yep, he's a Aries. Yep, and, and he grew up in Jacksonville. Weird. Oh, see, that explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, (laughs) I mean, if you look at the history of serial killers, it, I don't, I've never heard of an Aries serial killer because we're the best and we're usually Mm. like very level-headed and we can control our feelings. The thing I think about that is that astrology is very general and it, like it could be anybody at any point every single one of them they're just very general traits paul john knowles was born on april 17 1946 in orlando florida and grew up in jacksonville florida his parents were thomas jefferson knowles and bonnie knowles that's like um the other day i was telling gil i have a friend from high school and her boyfriend's name is jesus and they were on a trip, and she, like, screenshot his post of him holding his plane ticket with his full name on it. And um, his name is Jesus Christ. That is awesome. <laughs> Man, how many times yeah, I was, up, like, was it just like, Jesus Christ, yes? <laughs> you shall not take my name in vain. Jesus H. Christ. Uh-oh. <laughs> They know my middle name's Harry. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul grew up with six siblings in a very small house with very few rooms and an outhouse. So this is 1946. They have running water at this time, but they had an outhouse. Mm -hmm. According to Paul's brother, their father abused all of the kids. Mm -hmm. Of course, he would beat them until they were black and blue. Much like other serial killers like Richard Ramirez, he was committing crimes at a very, very young age. At the age of seven, he was stealing bikes. I mean, you know, that in a way, if it's other kids' bikes, it's kind of like a, it's not horrible thing because kids do this kind of stuff all the time. But he was yeah, doing other was small crimes at the time as there well. There was a girl in my neighborhood who stole my bike. Hmm. Mm. I found it and I took it back. You, but you didn't turn into a serial killer. <laughs> cool there story, was bro. A girl in oh. that stole. Ah. <laughs> so he was he was also really well liked by the other boys around the school because he was brash and he would stand up to other adults. So throughout his teen years he was committing a lot of breaking and entering and grand larceny. So he mm. was he started off small but he just kept going. Wow, he sounds so, like me in high school. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Kleptomaniacs. Yeah. Girl you were doing grand larceny in high school? Was Betsa Bay. Betsa Bay's always <laughs> you guys. Ambitious. You guys weren't too far away from each Well, 
She's I guess driven. it was a little older. I yeah. did. I, I didn't steal it, but I did take a bike. I did return it. Oh, you just well, borrowed it. Yeah, that's just borrowing just borrowed it. it. Yeah. Yep. Well, instead of trying to help their son, his parents sent him back and forth to reform schools, of course. And at the age of 17, Paul was sent away to Dozier School for Boys in Florida, which was notorious for abusing and rapes of children. So oh God, later on, a lot of them. they found over 50 bodies buried on the school grounds. So this is a little bit different a lot of them. They found 50 50? bodies. 50. Actually, Actually, some um, of them do that now. In the Native American, like, reform schools where they were teaching people, they have found a lot of those mass graves outside of the Mm -hmm. schools as well. Because the government don't care. White schools, though. Yeah, that's, yeah. That just makes my stomach sick. Never trust it. Yeah. So, which... Which maybe we'll do some episodes on this, which would be kind of interesting, I think. We'd be doing some Mm -hmm. uh, episodes on reform schools because there is some bad stuff that happens and still happen. So the only good one is Hogwarts, I'm pretty sure. And that one, honestly, a lot of child endangerment. Like, just going to say. It was founded by a trans person or a trans um, hater. So, yeah, I wouldn't go there. But also, like, yeah. seriously, why do you have dragons that close to kids? Like, not cool. Okay, you know there's some bodies in the walls at Hogwarts. I, think I mean, there literally, literally is there bodies. Is yeah. There there literally is bodies in the walls in Hogwarts. Yeah. They we have no example of a good reform school. <laughs> it does not exist. No. Nope. It doesn't. They're just well, a cover-up. It's true. Mm. It's just a place to send kids t- so they don't have to deal with them anymore. Well, in between being sent back and forth to reform schools, he would meet up with his old friends in Jacksonville and commit more burglaries, just like normal. From his teenage years, Paul was described as a ladies' man. You know, obviously Casanova killer. He's a ladies' man. But he had a very, very, very bad temper. Oh. If he, of course, if he liked a girl but was rejected by her, he wouldn't even think twice about just clocking her in the face. Oh. oh my god! Yeah, so he Excuse had a rage problem. Me. <laughs> after <laughs> this, yeah, after this would happen, you know, obviously the brothers and the boyfriends, because he's asking out girls that have boyfriends as well, knowing this, and would Good and nerve. they would just they would just get together and just beat the crap out of him. Good, <laughs> because they're like, "What are you doing, dude? This is not cool." But that never yeah. deterred his rage. Um, so that's actually pretty common in households where people are abused. Mm-hmm. It's the circle of life. It's it's normalized. Mm-hmm. So PJK, who I'm going to call him, and you know, I'll switch back and forth between Paul and PJK. So he would tell other people, and he would he would say, "One day I'm going to be a big famous bad guy." So <clears throat> from a young age, he already knew he wanted to be like a bad guy. So he wanted to be in the same league as like H.H. H. Holmes, Adolf Hitler, and Nero. He didn't say he wanted to be in those leagues, but that's the league he wanted to be in. What is wrong you know? with this guy? I'm talking Stalin. I'm talking Mao. I'm talking Pikachu. I'm talking <laughs> Richard whoa, Nixon. Whoa. Pikachu is the greatest good guy in the world. He uh-huh. saved Ash many times. Yeah, he cried. I digress. On him. Or, no, Ash cried on him. But what is Ash? Yeah. Just a kidnapper of animals. 
That is true. If this was real life, Pokemon would be horrible. Yeah, literally animal abuse. Yes. So back yeah. to PB and J. Let's so go. He would be like Tiger King. <gasps> Pretty much. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Tiger King popularity. is like the older Ash. That's what happened to Ash <gasps> when he got older. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he doesn't feed his his Pokemon either. Carol Baskins, <laughs> Team Rocket. Mm. I guess so. Anyways, PB&J. Back to PB&J. Let's go. Uh, PJK. His first major arrest occurred on March 10th, 1965, when he was just 19. He was pulled over while driving a stolen car. Knowles grabbed the officer's gun and forced him into the stolen vehicle. Damn. Two hours later, he released the officer unharmed. Like, he just was like, I'm, I took this car. And then he grabbed the officer's gun as he, like, walked up to his... His car. That's an option. And he brought. I mean, the it's cop with him. It, and, and then God, he brought the cop being with that him. Cop. Imagine oh, yeah. being that cop, like getting released with your tail between your legs. You would never hear the oh end of it. Gosh, I hope he dropped yeah. him off at a donut shop. <laughs> that would have been funny. He basically just left him unharmed, and then obviously he was picked up not that long after that. Like he just he let him go. Like obviously, if you think about it, you know he had a witness. He had one amazing witness, the officer, that he just left after he stole his and just dropped him off. He's just like, and he if, stole the car. You mind if I? You mind if I take notes? I mean, I'm just over. Here. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, do you need a pen? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Brown hair. Um, let's see, <laughs> six foot two. I'm actually six foot. Oh, six foot three. Just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just like here. Can I? Can, I'm gonna get your information. It was, it was uh, two what's hours. your name? What was the? Yeah, like what was the conversation like? So. uh you into um, kill me? you into rock or like what do you what do you listen to? <laughs> I'm a I'm big into George Benson jazz nowadays. I've kind of um I've changed a little bit, you know. I I, I tossed aside the aviators. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm sorry, I gotta have the radio on. Quiet, quiet car rides are just too awkward. It's it's, it's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I never know what to say with the cop in the back of my car. <sighs> just. Anyways, like, he got picked up not too long after and got convicted of kidnapping and was sentenced to one to five years in state prison, you know? Hmm. Woo. It's not that bad. So, no. Abducting a police officer? I thought you'd get more. Yeah. I feel like this is the six. I feel like this is the 60s. So, they're like, he's white. He's white. This is about to be a history of white. Oh, you. History lesson yeah. on white privilege. I mean, he's a <laughs> yeah. white, good-looking guy, so. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Yeah, so he's going to get out of a lot. lot. If you're good-looking. Yes, he it's is. It's true. Science. So, so Paul like, was starting out. First-hand experience. <laughs> and this is why I can't get away with shit. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul was starting out in his 20s and was already serving his second year in prison. He served two years and eight months for kidnapping that police officer <laughs> and was paroled only served two years two uh, almost three years so in april 1968 he was caught attempting to break and enter in the house of duval county they sent him right back to rayford prison to complete his sentence Damn. he literally didn't get any more time what the he f- just completed his sentence that he was in for the original time he like literally yes. like didn't turn in his like essay and the teacher gave them extra time to do it 
and he still didn't fucking do it, but they gave him extra credit. Like, I don't know if that metaphor yes. makes any sense. The point is, it's just no. like, wow. He literally got like a do over. You know, like they just like, well, you're going back to prison. We're not going to add this to your, uh, your record. Whatever. It's fine. Just go back for the original time you're supposed to be in here. So he was released two years later after he had served the rest of his original sentence. Wait, does that mean he- that he was let go after eight months and put on parole? Or, I mean, like, you said two and a half months? So he was in there for two two years and eight months for the okay. for the original sentence, but they gave him parole. So he then he went and uh, attempted to break and enter, got caught. They sent him back for the original five years that they had put him in there. Oh. Yeah, so, okay. so he's supposed to be in there five years, but he got sentenced to one to five years is in between you can get paroled he got a little break like two and a half years in yeah he got a break because they're like okay this is your first we know well your first this is your first adult sentence not your first criminal action but they're like well well, you know you're you're young you maybe you have a whole life ahead of you well you're white you're good looking you got a lot to do maybe you become an actor i don't know so he was released and that's how he becomes robert redford robert redford and he just changed his name he was released with $25 in his pocket, a new suit, and no responsibilities. That's what one of the guards said, pretty much, uh, as he left. So at this time, he had a girlfriend named Jackie Knight. They That's met a cool after name. his. Oh, yeah, isn't it a cool night? They met after, 1960, after his 1967 parole. So believe it or not, Jackie's husband at the time, Ooh. before they met, introduced them to each other. Oh, that's awkward. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was he a police officer? I don't. I don't know if he was or not. So Jackie it was the had same cop. He's like, "You steal my gun. You steal my <laughs> wife." <laughs> but God damn it, you're so handsome. She had three children at the time to the original husband. Oh my and god. Who, to who damn. Paul was actually very fond of, and the kids really liked Paul. Yeah, so sure they would all play together to with. When yeah, he wasn't he would you know horrible. He would take them to fairs and win prizes for them like a great dad would. Always get a new bike. Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny to see the duality in serial killers, how they can sometimes just shut off the part of them that wants to murder and rape and be normal, even good people, good lovers, you know? Just be on a Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be a... Yeah. That's, I, that's one thing I've always been curious about when it comes to like serial killers and just like bad people in general like i don't understand how people can do so many bad things like hurt people and just be basically evil and still be able to sleep at night and and do their lives as like normal like if they haven't done anything wrong like and yeah that's the reason why i'm so curious about like the psychology behind that you know because like how can you just like sleep at night that's why that's why whenever someone hurts me i always tell them i hope you have nightmares you know because i know they're just gonna go home and sleep and be okay you know it's like no yeah it's actually like a really good thing that you don't understand because that means that you are a person with empathy um a lot Mm -hmm. of these people have no empathy um whether it be like nature or nurture um a lot of them could be classified as like sociopaths or people with like anti, um, you know, like antisocial personality disorders. Anti- yes, antisocial, where they don't see people as like other people. 
Yep. All they care about is themselves and everyone else is an extension of the world that they live in. So they're very, um, like, disposable, expendable, and things like that. Yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, and it sucks because it's like, like, they just hurt these people and, like, they just, they like... They feel it, anything. Yeah. And then it's like, well, even if I'm mad, them. it's not... I mean, it's their fault, but it's not their fault because it's like a thing in their brain that's just not working for them to be able to do that, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, it doesn't excuse the behavior, yeah. No. Yeah, it doesn't excuse it, but it's like they're just going to continue doing it and they just, there's nothing you can do unless they get help or die, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, as we can see with most serial killers, prison is like the complete opposite of what these most people need yeah unless they're getting locked away for like literally ever and that's like no way to live honestly like that's the getting getting help a lot of times is like the a lot of the only ways but a lot of these people have to be locked away because they just can't function they won't be able to function Mm -hmm. anymore and they'll just continue doing it a lot of serial killers when they they get into their they do their tapes, they talk to people, the interviews, they just say, if I'm let out, I'm still going to do it. So keep mm-hmm. me locked away, which is just such a, a terrible thing. But, you know, that yeah. at least at this point, they're self-realizing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So speaking of being in prison and not helping, while Paul was in prison, he said he would marry Jackie. So that his girlfriend at this time, he said he would marry her as soon as he got out. And that they did. When he was released, Paul and Jackie were married. But like most serial killers' early relationships, of course, it was short-lived. Paul couldn't find any work because, A, nobody's going to hire a convict. You know, nobody wants to hire an ex-convict, especially somebody who is, uh, took a policeman hostages, had a, had a record when he was younger about That's stealing and grand larceny. Yeah. Yep, yep. So he got a... He went back to what he always did. He went back to Jacksonville and started hanging out with his old buddies. So Jackie smartly took her children and moved to Macon, Georgia. Oh, God. And successfully annulled the marriage. So that tells you how quick it was because it's within, what, six months you can annul a marriage? Maybe less than that? Why was she she able to marry him? Why was she able to? Yeah. I mean, like, why did she... she the husband. Yeah, like how, yeah, she had a husband and she knew Oh, she was no, in jail she had divorced. She had she had no. divorced a, a while ago. So, I uh, sorry, didn't include that. She had divorced her it was supposed to say her ex-husband. Oh. They divorced, but okay. she, her husband at the time introduced them and while he on parole. So when he went into jail, the uh Jackie and her husband divorced and so Jackie started writing letters to Paul. Mm. Why? And so they uh, because he was a great person in her eyes at that time, she didn't see the, um, she didn't see the monster that was about to grow. You know, so she just thought it would be a good rebound to date some guy that was in jail. Yeah, hey man, some she people did... are into that. He didn't get the yep. name Casanova Killer, like you know what I'm saying, like yeah. not being mm-hmm. a Casanova. Yep. Yeah, it was sexy back in the day to be in jail. Yep. Oh, that's so, why you're doing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul was again back to committing burglaries and then again 
was convicted of breaking and entering in September of 1971. So my thoughts on this. Paul is either a really, really, really bad criminal or he just committed so many of them that he eventually got caught. Mm. You know, and like I, I can weigh it either way. It's hard to hard to say because like, you know, when we look at Richard Ramirez, who I kind of compare this guy to and he was little bit before Richard Ramirez. Um he he just kinda like did so much breaking and entering and he was liked by his friends, so like so was Richard Ramirez. He had a really bad abusive home. And you know, Richard Ramirez was without his teeth was a generally good looking guy before he got with all the you know, all the heroin and everything that he was doing. <laughs> so like you know I kind of compare the two of, of similar trajectories. Yeah, a so, lot of people thought Richard Ramirez was hot. Yep. When he didn't smile, he wasn't a was horrible looking his guy. Is, his hair yeah. carried him a lot, you know? Hair can yeah, do yeah. a lot. It it does. I mean, sometimes hair does carry you. Um, so, <laughs> Not your teeth. <laughs> nope. So he was out of jail only one year before he was back in. <laughs> so he was only out for a year before he went back in. This time I he was giving... Learns. Only three years, and even with the prior record to the same exact thing, he was convicted of this time. So the maximum penalty of this, after having a prior record offense, is 15 years. And they only Mm. gave him three? I only gave him three. And Paul received furlough privileges after just one year. And of course, one day he just left and didn't come back. (laughs) okay what the hell he just was like yeah he just was like i'm I'm gone because like they you know he he's a good talker too so they just trusted him and so he just left he he got he got (laughs) right he's just he went on furlough to go out and do something and i guess i don't know exactly what furlough gives you the privilege to do just go out into the day and come back and he can't didn't come back so the police again caught back up to him in december of 1972 and he fought like hell to get away but there was two or three police officers that overpowered him and then returned him right back to jail. And this stint in jail would be his most formative and most memorable. Finally. Honest yep, reform. Finally, finally he's going to get to the real Paul we all know. So, in jail, Paul was a loner. And he mostly kept to himself. Because, like most people, they don't like being in cages. He was too handsome to sit next to at lunch. Right? <laughs> and he didn't... He kept, But he kept finding himself right back in jail. He had spent nine years in jail by the age of 28. Damn. This is oh just like God. actual state jail, too. This is not like when he was younger and he was getting sent to reform school, which is a semi-kind of jail. <laughs> he spent nine yeah, years just... in, but like he had so many breaks. You know what he I'm had saying? A year, like, yeah, he had a year. He had like four months, less than years going out. So yeah, he's. I I do want to say just, so, he just keeps. He, oh, he just keeps like <laughs> breaking into people's houses badly, and being mm-hmm. like, "How does this keep happening?" <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh you know? no, that's the thing. He's if like you're going, basically licking all the surfaces and like. Putting like ink hand prints everywhere and being like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> just like his hand in the peanut butter jar, and just licking his fingers and smearing on everything. But like, he's just leaving pictures of Robert Redford everywhere, you know. 
<laughs> but like that's the thing so like you can't be incredibly incredibly really 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 good looking and actively driving around and breaking into houses because everybody's just looking at you all the time you have to blend in you have to be a normie right yep. yeah because they're just like everybody's like oh my god who's that <gasps> don't let him see me looking like that's what everybody does you know so like yep. he's just walking around here like a fucking unicorn through a neighborhood and everybody's like oh, don't spook him don't spook wait why is he going in their house what the fuck <laughs> like, yep that unicorn just yeah. stole my tv <laughs> like you know like yep so so dirt dirt you I agree. Be, you can't be a handsome burglar. I'm sorry. That's all I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. Shout out to all the handsome burglars are out there. Uh, please don't rob our houses. We see. So you. he started spending time in jail, reading his horoscope and studying astrology. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Very he Aries is, behavior. And he was Very like, Aries I'm not supposed behavior. to be like this. So he loved tarot cards. Oh my Especially. god, this guy's me. <laughs> in late 1972, Paul began sending letters to a woman named Angela Kovich. So, she was 26 years old and worked as a cocktail waitress in San Francisco. The reason he found her was because he found her name in the American Astrology Magazine. Mm. So, as, as a sidebar, American Astrology Magazine was a magazine that started in 1933 and went all the way until 2003. This episode is brought to you by the American... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Astrology magazine. So it, it featured a day-to-day guide to signs and horoscopes of public figures at the time. So it'd be like, uh, what would it be like? Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You should, you know, your horoscope today is uh, don't bomb, you know, Japan. Uh, even though he didn't bomb Japan, it was Herbert Hoover or it was Harry Truman. Sorry, um, stuff like that. You know, basically telling uh, the astrology of public figures at the time so so here's an excerpt from the aries daily guide all right so you're rolling in high cash in on enhanced magnetism do everything with dramatic flourish travel promote sell consider a new heart interest and consider a new heart interest he did oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Paul and Angela would continue writing each other letters while he was in jail. She would start letters with, Hi, Mad Dog Knowles. And he'd call her, My Yiddisher Angel. What's that so, mean? Yiddisher Angel? That mean she, she said, she Hi, Jewish? Mad Dog Knowles. And he'd call her, My Yiddisher Angel. It seems like she was Jewish. Yeah, Yiddish. Um, I don't honestly know if she Mad was Jewish. Mad Dog? But... Like the... Mad Dog Knowles, like Mad Dog 2020. Juicy drink? Mad Dog Mm -hmm. 2020. I don't understand why. Well, it was just names they had for each other. So she... She's like, so Mad Dog? And he's like, I know. Well, he's in in prison, and she knows that, right? She's like, this is how prison people talk. So... (laughs) I gotta keep the names tough. Yeah. (laughs) And now you would think that because, well, he had a huge criminal history, and he had spent more time in prison in his adult life than he had spent on the outside of prison. She would not be interested. But it did not faze her, because her ex-husband was currently in jail as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he was the he, cop who had his gun yeah. stolen and then his wife stole They just threw him in jail. Yeah, and they just threw him in jail. He also lied to her. So, obviously, this is going to be a big thing. He lied to her saying that he was in jail for only drug dealing. So, I do want to say, 
why it because that's so... better <laughs> well no i mean look at it this way though like think about marijuana now right mm-hmm. so people were going to jail like that in these days for having any kind Ooh. of paraphernalia any kind of marijuana and like it's kind of how we look on somebody if they had marijuana now and they go to jail it's like it's stupid that they're going to jail for this so Ew, i can see I in some ways someone that was in jail for even drugs like that's so lame but just but think about it as like a they weren't murdering anybody they didn't break into houses this guy obviously did but like it, it's it's like a i i don't know lesser i wouldn't look evils. on somebody it's a lesser evils you're looking at somebody as like man it's just marijuana why are they in jail it's so stupid it's also so like yeah, early can... 1970s so like yeah. Seriously, totally different drug culture. They're all in their, like, 20s at this point. So they just, like, went through, like, I think, well, wait, was it 71? That was, like, the summer of love or whatever. But, like, we're coming, like, fresh out of, like, the height of the hippie movement. And it's, like, anti-establishment, you know, and, like, hippie movement. And it's just, like, man, I got in here because I got pulled over in Florida with a joint. Now I'm in for (laughs) this many years. It's like, oh, my God, mad dog. I'm so sorry. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. me, this is when they had the best music, but this is just to me from like the late 60s to the mid 70s. So, rock yeah, and roll, the my punk heart. Movement. <clears throat> and the punk movement, too. Yep. They had the best music at this time. Everything's so original, but I digress. So, in September of 1973, Angela traveled from San Francisco to Rayford Prison, which is uh, in between Jacksonville and Gainesville, Florida. So, kind of in the central part of Florida. During her visit, they, of course, headed off, and Paul proposed to her. Of course, in just a beautiful fashion that I know Betsabe can appreciate, just sitting there with the video camera while they're on two sides of the glass, she said yes. I'll marry you, mad dog. That is cute. (laughs) And I can just imagine in his prison orange jumpsuit and his handcuffs behind a glass wall, he got a few candles that were snuck in someone's mm. prison wallet, and he got down on one knee and said, <laughs> Angela Kovic, all the signs are pointing to you marrying me. Oh, my God. Okay, that's cute. And that she really said, cute. my horoscope says that I should say yes to any new adventures today. <laughs> that's just how I imagine it. I'm so glad I bribed that magazine to put that in this week. <laughs> Oh my god, so, I mean, Aries are so romantic, so I get it. <laughs> right? So she hired a lawyer, Sheldon Yavitz, to help secure his parole. She hired a lawyer for him to secure his parole so he could join her in San Francisco. Yep, she was like, I'm going to shell out some money. She's a cocktail waitress in San Francisco at this time. She's probably making some bank right now. So Damn, 70s, being in San Francisco in the 70s? And a waitress. They were There's some big. high rollers. There's Damn. some high rollers, though, in San Francisco at this time. So they agreed to hear his parole hearing and granted him early release again. So Paul lied through his teeth so that they would believe him, basically let him go. So he said maybe he could be better. He told them he was angry and aimless before, and now he had a reason to abandon his old ways. I once was a mad dog. Now, I'm just an old puppy. Let I'm a good dog. There, judge. <laughs> an old puppy. Yeah. <laughs> so he was released on May 1974 and flew to meet his wife in San Francisco. Woo! Yeah. So he arrived. 
Yeah, he's, get, he's going for it. Yep. But he arrived in San Francisco to find his find his arrival was less warm than he thought. <gasps> no. Instead of having a happy future wife waiting for him, he found a woman who pretty much changed her mind. <laughs> oh. No. oh no. <gasps> a After psychic. Yeah, a psychic warned Angela that a dangerous man was ending her life. Oh my god. I, I'd say the psychic Dude. hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that's crazy. Damn. Wow. So she didn't tell him right away. And but after a week was the officer yeah. who's gone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that poor officer. Oh but after God. about a week, she told him that she wouldn't marry him. So she she had him there for a week and that she would be getting back with her ex-husband, who was just in jail, too. Cold oh snake. God. Yep. <laughs> so Paul was freaking pissed. So now she's dead. He was heartbroken. No. He's, she's, she's still alive. I mean, honestly, if he wasn't a career crim- criminal and eventually a serial killer, I can honestly say who would blame him. But in the end, she was right to push him from her life. So after this rejection, he did what he always did. He returned to Jacksonville. <laughs> oh my god. With his old friends. My so Oh, she is heartbroken. Is there He's like a small statue of him in Jacksonville somewhere? I feel like there should be. Yeah. It's right next to the Freebird Live Cafe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um thank you, Leonard Skinner, for the great music. Um so upon his return. A pissed off and feeling rejected Paul John Knowles got drunk at a local bar. Wow. He got in. I mean, he probably needed to get, you know, get plastered because yeah. he was like, oh, I just got out of jail, flew to San Francisco. The wife who wanted to marry me, who was engaged, said no, came back. He got into a bar fight and he pounded the bartender into a bleeding pulp as well as stabbing him. I mean, I get it because, like,. <laughs> Aries, we feel a lot. So I'm telling you, once you hurt us, we just go emotionally like so I get it. Are you saying you get no. you get him drinking or do you say that you get him stabbing a bartender, the bartender? beating him into a bloody pole? I get it because of how yeah, his what, mind uh, which works. One? All of it. Of course, oh he's going to do that because he's a serial killer, you know, and he's heartbroken. So, of course, his mind went there, you know? No. I'm not excusing him, but I see his behavior, like his patterns. So, he was picked up and put into local jail, obviously. But Paul had no intentions of going back to Rayford Jail, which he was just in. So, on July 26, 1974... He picked the lock and escaped. So it, it was that this easy. Was, Freedom. It was that Freedom. easy. What the fuck? <clears throat> he literally picked the lock because you know he didn't want to go back bye to bye. the. <laughs> it's easier in county lockup to do this. I feel like, especially in the seventies, than if he got into Rayford Jail to escape because Rayford's the it state was just penitentiary. A shoelace in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just Basically. a shoelace. <laughs> and honestly, they. Honestly, they probably left the door close to open for him because they're like, he ain't going nowhere. 
So he's that so was the night. I would, he's yeah, so he's handsome. so handsome. I would lock it, we but the light around him is so bright. I can't see where the lock is at. I can't look at him. He's an angel. Where's my shoelace? <laughs> so as he did this, this was the night he was going to start his four-month kill spree. Oh my god, this guy. Which would lead to at least 18 victims Damn. and up to 30-ish victims. Damn. So he's, he had, so this, I, w- I want to say, well, I'll, I'll bring it up later when we I get mean, into it. I mean, all this so, because he's heartbroken? Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a million other things going on in his mind. And we'll get into this. So on July Love 26, 19... Crazy things. It does. On July 26, 1974, Paul was on the run. So this is the same day he escaped. And he needed money and a car to get away fast. He got into the home of Alice Curtis, a 65-year-old retired school teacher. Now, I say got into and not broken into because it was never made clear whether or not he was invited in because of his charming ways or if he actually broke into the home. So it was never mentioned. I mean, so is he, he a vampire that he needs to be invited in? I was thinking the same thing. Well, he could be. Um, so he overpowered Alice and tied her up as he was in the home. Now he needed money and he needed it fast. So he basically upended her home. He did his Richard Ramirez thing. He went through and stole all, tried to steal all of her stuff. He put a gag into her mouth to make sure she couldn't, couldn't scream. And while he was burglarizing the home, her dentures came out because of her gag and then choked her to death. Oh, damn. Damn. So when he went back to check on her and make sure she was all tied up, she was already dead. So, as with most serial killers, most of the time, their first kill, in quotations, I'm going to put it, is usually an accident. So now, once they feel that they've gotten this, they are giving themselves the allowance to kill. And I know Selena's probably nodding right now, being like, yep, that's what's happening. Now he's like, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, and a lot and so, of times also they like find some kind of like sexual like excitement from like looking and being like, Oh, I killed someone, you know? Yep. Like it's yep. a very weird their brain. Boners. Yeah. And at and at the moment that won't come into it. But he now thought to himself, Well, if I do go back to jail, I'll now actually be on the higher end of the prison hierarchy. You know, he'd be a murderer instead of just like a low a uh, robber or you know break and enter a person oh, so he's cool. like yeah, he's, he's like on the top like, rung he's acting like he's like a part of a timeshare or something <laughs> hey going back and forth to jail he's yeah. like when, yeah. he's like when i get back there i really do want to be on top and it's just like are you do you have like stake in it or something like why are you <laughs> wanting to go back there you want to improve your life in there like you're gonna be there for a while like you know, there's other <laughs> options. <laughs> yeah, <shit>. for sure. <laughs> That's so how he, it feels to me. Well, I mean, he, you know, he has a lot of problems going with this being younger. So he was in and out of jail. He right now he has no place to call home um, because honestly, that's in general at this point, it's his own fault. Um, mm-hmm. So he stole her Dodge Dart, or as actually my parents call it, the Dodge Fart. And uh, <laughs> they actually re-released. They actually re-released the Dodge Dart too. Uh, now, and it's the same. My parents always hated that car. Um, but they went to hide out at one of his friends' house, who doesn't know that he's a murderer yet. So, less than one week later, on August first, Paul would strike again. This time, it was two young girls at six p.m. 
Elizabeth Anderson, took her 13-year-old daughter and left her home to visit a sick relative. The two younger daughters, 11-year-old Lillian and 6-year-old Milette, were left at home. At 7 p.m., just an hour later, Elizabeth Anderson's husband, Jack, who was due to come home pretty quickly from there, uh, called just to make sure, like, they were okay, you know? Uh, Elizabeth also called the house to make sure the girls were okay, and they were assured at 7 p.m. they were fine. So it just happened that the two girls were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Paul said that he was in the middle of abandoning Alice's stolen Dodge fart in a peaceful residential neighborhood. The two girls, Lillian and Milette, saw Paul. He thought they would tell on him because they knew him. Paul's mom was a friend of Elizabeth Anderson, so he coaxed them into his car. Elizabeth Anderson was their mother. So he coaxed them into his car, drove to a remote location, and strangled them both. He then proceeded to dump their bodies into a swamp. They would not find the bodies of the two girls until after he was captured and heard it in his diary tapes. Jesus. He kept diary tapes? Yeah, I'll talk about them later. On the same evening, he decided to head to Macon, Georgia to hide out. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, who hey, also baby, do we know? In town. Yeah, I was going to say, who also do we know down th- that's down there right now? Jackie Knight. <clears throat> so he made another stop and broke into the home of Marjorie Howie, which is a very interesting name. But So he strangled her with nylon stocking, and stole all the cash and valuables he could find. Yeah. A nylon stocking would be one of his calling cards, actually, eventually. So he had murdered four people already in the span of, like, seven days. Damn, even his weapons are sexy. Right? He was truly going into berserker mode. On his way to Macon, he would murder his fifth victim, Ema Jean Sanders. She was a 13-year-old who was living with her father for a while because of her parents' divorce. Yep. His third kid. She had taken a bus to visit her mother and stepfather in Warner Robins, Georgia. Emma Jean arrived at the bus stop and was picked up by her sister and taken to stay at her family's mobile home. I'm only going into this background of what she was doing in the the day because it gets her to where she is for the when she was Mm -hmm. killed. Irma was picked up on August 1st by one of her friends to go out and have fun. She would never return home. In the tapes recorded by Paul John Knowles, he said he picked up a hitchhiker named Alma, which is almost like her name, not far from Warner Robins, and took her to a wooded area. He raped and strangled her and then dumped her body between some trees. He said that he came back to see her body two weeks later and saw that animals had bitten and chewed at her body, and so he took her jawbone, what what was left of it, and buried it. What? Wait, what? He He took her jawbone jawbone? and buried the jawbone. No, I know, but like, was this some, like, pseudo white dude trying to do first nations like ceremony thing like why specifically her jawbone he just felt called for it yeah he he felt called to it yeah um joshua tree this one is also joshua tree uh, he wanted it on the east coast 
So to me, this breaks his normal MO of only killing people so that he can get money, get a car, escape, or like make sure he's not being seen. Because the two other kids that he killed, he thought that they were they saw him and could recognize him. So he ventured into rape, though he cannot say for sure, of course, that he did not do this before. He had not mentioned it before. But this was so, a kid. <clears throat> yep. So, so he's a this pedophile guy, on top of it. This guy is everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he, does not, he, he does not discriminate, and that's what we'll find out as well. A few weeks later, after laying low, he again was running low on money. And his friend... Jackie Knight, who had mentioned earlier, was hinting that he was not welcome anymore. <laughs> so, on August twenty third, yeah, <laughs> hinting like, "Hey, please, please leave. I still have my kids. You you need to leave." So on August twenty third, he went to Musela uh, and knocked on the door of Kathy Sue Woods Pierce. She he was home alone with her three year old son Joel. Again. Whether he got into the house by using his charm or, you know, as we mentioned above, which I think is what happened at this time, he entered her home. As soon as he entered and closed the door to Kathy's home, he demanded money with his gun. She tried to scream and this pissed off Paul. He broke the telephone off the wall, wrapped the cord around her neck and strangled her right in front of the three-year-old son. Jesus, dude. He dragged her body into the bathroom and took all the money he could find and left the house. He thankfully left Joel unharmed. But this poor kid that watched his mother being strangled to death and not be able to do anything about it. Mm. So Paul... And three is when you're able to form mm-hmm. memories. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. I feel bad because uh, he was actually trying to call collect and the phone was left off the hook too. If I can, if I can hop in really quick with a completely unrelated story but similar topic, mm-hmm. right? Um, I may and you know family here and multiple neighbors. I'm I'm a visiting family in Toledo, Ohio. I may have stopped a child abduction the other day. Um, literally, it was like late evening. My um, my sister and my nephew and I were out on the back porch, just like shooting the shit, and just straight up a large red SUV pulls up. There's like eight kids playing in the yard, like over in a neighbor's yard across the street, a a red SUV pulls up guy literally says to the kids, Hey kids, how y'all doing? And they're like, hi, hi, hi. He's like, you guys like candy? Like straight up. He's like, you guys like candy? And they were like, out of the playbook. And he's like, would you like some candy? And they all what said the like, fuck? and they all said like no at first. And he's like, well, what about suckers? Do you guys like suckers? The kids started walking towards the fucking SUV, right? And my sister, it was like I heard multiple generations of moms come out of her mouth. At this point, I'm <laughs> walking through the gate to go confront the dude, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And I'm like, I'm walking out towards the driveway. I'm walking towards the dude, and like my sister just. just from the depths of fucking hell and heaven, she's just like, no! And it just, like, echoes through the neighborhood. And this dude literally just like, okay. And he starts to, like, drive away. And I go out in the street to, like, get his license plate and shit. But that was, like, fucking 
sus as hell. Like I was that's, like, I am literally watching a PSA right now. <laughs> that's but right out did, of the playbook. Did they think that no one was watching them? Well, Could I, be, dude. It was it was just it was fucking weird. But like by the time I got to the street, there was like other moms that were also standing out in the street, and shit. It was like a mom radar system just like went off, and like they were all uh. out there, and like. It might be a dude that lives down the road or whatever, but it's still like, I'm sorry, you're like a 50-something, 60-something-year-old dude. You know not to just go up to a group of kids and offer candy. It's sus as fuck. Especially from a car. And from a car, too. Like, to be... Yeah, that's pretty pretty sus. And so, that's the scariest thing is like when they're in big cars like that, they yep. usually look like they're alone, but they have people in the back seat. Mm-hmm. So once the kids approach the car, they just throw open the door, grab the kid, close the door, and drive off. So that was a thwarted situation. None of the kids got taken, although there was like eight of them, so it might be a week before we realize one of them is missing. But now, like, I'm just saying, like, humor aside, um, it was obviously a very tense situation, but really happy to say neighborhood came together and we chased this fucking weirdo out. So, hey, community. Perfect. Oh, and also, Joey, please keep this in. We need to do a little shout out to the chicken cult. Yes. Oh, yes. Youngest listener, Gavlavin. Gavlavin. (laughs) Gavin. Um, he's a, a neighbor here near um, my sister and brother-in-law's house. Um, we got to meet, hang out, talk. He literally called his like his grandpa, and his grandpa was telling me all sorts of paranormal stories and just like wild like things from like his childhood. Um, so like Gavin comes by it honestly, you know, like being into this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, Gavin is a uh, camp counselor right now. He's like. Um, and like the Boy Scouts and everything like that, and like teaching kids like how to fish. And the other mm-hmm. day, um, and he showed me the video on the phone. If it wasn't a bunch of kids, I would totally share it to social media, but that's not right. So, you know, just Gavin's got the video. I've seen it. The proof is out there. But um, they captured a wild chicken, a rooster in the woods, an all black rooster. And there's a video of Gavin holding the chicken above his head with a bunch of little six and seven year olds all chanting KFC. KFC as they're standing mm. out on the dock. And I've never been more proud of our listeners. So shout out to Gavin, <laughs> shout out to the chicken cult, um, and shout out to all the moms that are stopping people offering candy to kids. Yeah, thank you, right? moms. Thank and you, moms. Dads, and just humans in general that do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, that's step in. So, so yeah. Great. I love it. I love the chicken cult. And so, just Paul, like just like that guy in the rest, the red SUV. So, just like the guy in the red SUV, Paul, knowing he needed to get some distance between himself and the crimes, decided to head to the birthplace of our very own Gil. He decided to head to Ohio, where you are right now. Ooh, of course. <laughs> so, on September third, he drove Ohio. into Lima. He drove Lima. into Lima. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> wow, on September you're so 3rd, Spanish, he drove. Joey. <laughs> on September 3rd, he drove into Lima, which is not too far from the border of Indiana. Paul entered a bar at Scott's Inn and struck up a conversation with William Bates, a 32 year old account executive for the Ohio Power Company. Hmm. Yeah, right? Hmm. Paul and William, according to a bartender, 
struck up a great conversation, and they left together. William would never be seen alive again. Mm -hmm. William Bates' wife reported her husband missing. So police came to the bar, the last place he was found alive, and found the abandoned white Dodge Dart, which was stolen in Paul's first murder. William Bates was found on Thanksgiving Day that year by a hunter, bound and gagged with electrical tape, naked in the forest. He was strangled to death, and Paul had stolen his credit cards, cash, and his Chevrolet Impala. Was he raped? Uh, It never mentioned it, but from things that happened in the later murders, I think he was. Because... It, it, we we'll go we'll we'll go into it now and find out like he in, in some of the stories he tried to so as we want to say like even even if you can't get a rape is still rape I just want to say that yeah. to begin with but he could never get it up for women oh. even though he tried That's because also very common mm-hmm. yeah. wait I don't understand how was he, he a rapist he, if he couldn't get it up. It's still, he's still putting it in, trying to... Ew, all, like, squishy? <clears throat> yeah. How is possible? all, like, And there's also other ways to violate people that, yeah. you know, yes. like, you can penetrate yeah. them with other things. And, like, yeah. penetration so, isn't the end-all, be-all of rape, either. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. author in Thank the book mentioned... Yeah, the author in the book mentioned that... I don't. I don't know what this kind of had to do with it because when he was in jail, he was having sex with men in jail. That he he did it so much because he was in jail for so long that he stopped seeing women like that, but he wanted to, and oh. so that's kind of what they mentioned is that he he. I I don't know how to kind of gauge it that like he he, I think in the book they said that he became gay, um, yeah. but I think he he might have been gay and just wanted not to be yeah. because he you know just like some serial killers they don't want to be but they are and they take yeah. it out on people they take it out on that's, men they take it out on women you can't become that sounds like, gay yeah yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. Like, just like you can't become like, straight <laughs> it's it's an old book like, so i'm just like it's quoting like the historically book, you know? when like two women or two men live together and they're like Yes, and uh, he lived with his best friend for 85 years, and once they were dead, they got buried um, in the same coffin holding hands. They were very good friends. Like, yeah, yeah. Best <laughs> friends. So it sounds like. Yeah, best friends. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's an old book, so that's kind of how like it, it comes off. I didn't want to mention it like that, but yeah. I'm just trying to you know give the You're give relaying what the, what the, the author book said. I'm relaying what the author says. Yeah, Yeah. and that is also... Yeah. I think, and personally, just I think that he was gay. He just didn't want it. Just like some serial killers will kill people just because they don't want to... They don't want to be in their quota, in their things as, like, outcasts, or they do, depending on how they are. But he just didn't want to feel like it, so he killed... Like, he didn't mention that he raped them, the men. Mm -hmm. But since they were naked, tied, and... uh, Pretty much yeah. out there that he didn't yeah. want to mention it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was Paul was very quick at getting away because he had no attachments after this. So after he stole, um, he stole uh, William Bates's cards, his cash, his Chevrolet Impala. He made a quick getaway. So he would come in and kill somebody in a town, 
and then leave before the bodies were ever found. So it was very much easy for him to get away and very hard to attribute him to these crimes. Some of the only ways we know that he committed these crimes because he he admitted to them. And some of them were attributed to him by where they thought that he was at a certain time and his MO, his, his slight little MO of nylon stocking. So he hit it west according to the traces on the credit card transactions of William Bates. Hmm. Um, he passed through Montana and then Utah. So he's a world tra- He's a U.S. traveler right now. Hmm. And he ended up in Nevada. And you say Nevada, it's not Nevada, because they will kill you if you say Nevada. It's Nevada. Nevada. <clears throat> yep, Nevada. Nevada. On September 12th, he was in Ellie, Nevada. He was Fine. broke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He was broke because the money and credit cards had run out. Much easier to do back in those days because there's not as much traces as there were, and they can't just cut off your credit cards without, especially if someone's already dead. So Paul John Knowles had picked up a gun during his travels, most likely purchased from a pawn shop. He used the gun to overpower Emmett and Lois Johnson, who were in their 60s. He he tied them up and shot both of them right behind their left ear. Then took their cash and credit cards and then moved on. He didn't rest long because as he was on his way back to the East Coast, he murdered another woman named Charlene Hicks at a rest stop. He followed his normal M.O. and she was found nude, strangled to death. Her body was torn where she he dragged her through the brush and barbed wire fence that separated the woods from the road. Oh my God. And I'm just like running through these because he killed so many people and so many, so quick, like four months. This is not even, yeah, he's, this is a four month tirade. Two days later, he was in Birmingham, Alabama. As he's going back to the East coast, looks like he's heading back to, right. (laughs) As he's heading back to where else would he be going? Jacksonville. He met a woman named Ann Dawson, who was a beautician. He apparently traveled with her for six days before he murdered her and dumped her body. But she was never found. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, what was that? I don't know. You want to go check? Sounds like it was probably outside, right? Like a tree branch fell or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe they're trimming the trees. Could be. Sorry, so, go on, Joey. He apparently traveled with her for six days before he murdered her and dumped her body. She was never found. They never found her body. So he took a break for about two weeks, which for him was a, a long time. Mm-hmm. So he was murdering people all over the place, literally all over the U.S. So... In the 70s, to find someone like this, it's just like, look, t- look how long it took them to find Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. you know, as yeah, he was going was... through the. Yep. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, like, um, it's taken very long, like, even just recently for, like, police to want to, like, share information, especially mm-hmm. if it's, like you know, a big story in their city, they want to be the ones to catch it. They don't want to talk to mm-hmm. anybody else. 
And that's something like the ego and also just the way that things were at the time, everything was paper. It was very hard to like communicate things like that without having just like a hunch that maybe they would be in a different state. And also like half of their guns were stolen from them along the way and they were kidnapped. And so they didn't (laughs) want to talk about that. (laughs) They didn't want to admit their defeat. (laughs) So I I could make this, this thing too is like, None of them released a lot of times. It was very hard for them. They never released sketches at the beginning because most of them at this time, they didn't have sketches of the person. Just headshots of Robert Redford. <laughs> Just headshots of Robert Redford. And because he was leaving them up at the murders. It's like, why do I get arrested every week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, because wasn't Robert Redford around that time too at the same age? He was making movies just as a he fucking was alibi famous. at that point. Okay. Like he, he was, was fam- just like I gotta Robert Redford <laughs> was famous at this point. He had four years ago he had already been well, five years ago he was already in the Great Gatsby. So he was like the- this guy looks just like him too. <laughs> They're like you know, he's just doing his thing in movies and stuff, and everyone's like, "Get him! That's the guy! <laughs> that's, that's him! The guy that abducted me! That's the and guy!" And that's yeah. gun. I mean, somebody else's gun. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I saw that guy break into that person's house. You know? Yeah. yeah. These goddamn yep. actors out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just not well, satisfied. They... I mean, they do teach a class to in acting school is how to eat out of the garbage. So maybe they're just like taking that a little further. And maybe Robert Redford was practicing for one of his. Uh, he was researching for a role. You know. <laughs> Wait, can you go back to the question? What? I could be. I well, I used to dumpster dive all the fucking time in like my late teens and like early twenties when I was hopping trains yep. and like hitchhiking and stuff. Like one of the best hacks, if you ever need to know, I'm gonna make this real quick. Um, like. 10 minutes 15 minutes right like be respectful to the people there order a pizza extra large pizza or two or three of them don't make it too many or they won't make them order it with every fucking thing on it the point is is that you never come in and pick it up and so what happens is you have a bunch of folks who have been eating pizza all day working at the pizza restaurant and they're just like oh i don't want to take this home i want to take this home and then you scope out the dumpster and wait for them to come out to the dumpster and drop in these pizzas and then you run up and you grab some hot pizza so yeah but they make you give them the credit card before no no not not all the time especially when you're like in these like super small towns and stuff like that and you're like yeah i'm gonna be there in like 15 minutes if you call on the phone too if you call on the phone speaking as a person who works in a pizza restaurant Mm -hmm. they don't take your credit card until you get there to pay for it if you do it online you obviously will do mm-hmm. that that you have to pay for it but you just call in so it makes it a little easier i have fed myself oh my so many God. times with this hack i'm just saying fun yeah, fact i just realized too when you when you do it in person they're like okay ring you up here you pay so mm-hmm. yep ignore ignore wow. what I say. so sit in the bushes and wait for them to go outside with their pizza joey <laughs> when you go to work tonight just <laughs> look You're off into the bushes goblin in the corner and it's gonna be gil's spirit from Ohio. Be, be polite, Joey. And always, if you work at a pizza place, be polite and don't throw the nasty trash bags on top of the bags full of food. All right. Somebody's going to come in there and eat out of it. Also, if you work at one of these places where they have everybody pour bleach on their trash at night on top of perfectly good food, that is a thing. Um, you can totally just go to one corner, especially like whatever the nastiest corner of this dumpster, and like pour that bleach over there so that nobody questions it because they can still smell it, but people can still eat because people live out of dumpsters, homie. 
Like that's reality. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But fun when fact: I... get your free pizza tonight on VCR. <laughs> I'm going to do that to you, Jeremiah, yeah. all tonight. <laughs> okay. My also, name is um, Aldi. Bets by. Bets by. Aldi has kind of nasty trash, but they do have a lot of fresh fruits and stuff that they throw mm-hmm. away. And we also do not. Starbucks. We. They mm-hmm. don't pour bleach on it. And yes, Starbucks throws away a ton of like mm-hmm. frozen food. Um that honestly you can keep frozen at your house and cook for a really long time. So if you and work at a at an actual store, you can take that stuff home at the end of the day. Sorry, everybody. We just got way yeah. off track. Let's go. <laughs> next week, I'll be giving tips on how to use bolt cutters to stop hydraulic presses on dumpsters. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Love it. So if you guys need to get your free food or if you're in a bad way, and you're listening to this podcast, somehow, <clears throat> maybe you know Gil from a past life, or um, you just like listening to paranormal podcasts while you're sitting in the woods with creepy things happening with your tent. <laughs> um, that's how you get your food, if you didn't know. So, like Paul John Knowles, on October 16th, <laughs> he walked up to a home in Marble, Connecticut, and knocked on the door. Please don't do this also if you're in a bad way. Do not be Paul John Knowles. Be yeah, a Gil. Don't, don't confuse tips with us breaking down steps of a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. this We're just trying to help you out. We don't want you murdering anybody. We want you fed, living a good life. So when Don Wynn, who is a 16-year-old, opened the door in Marlboro, Connecticut, after Paul John Knowles knocked on her door, Paul forced his way in, tied her up, and did what he always does. Mm. raped her he waited for dawn's mother to come home he did the same thing to her then he strangled them both with silk stockings and left he took everything he could find he grabbed a money he grabbed tape recorder which will be used soon and some records records which he then gifted to jackie knight's children when he visited them again his ex-wife who left him and an old their marriage a long time ago well not that long ago i guess in these uh in this timeline so three days after leaving connecticut he arrived in woodford virginia so i'm just going through these because this is literally like he's going 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 like the energizer bunny the energizer serial killer and so he forced 53 year old doris hovey to let him into her home he told her i only want a gun So she said, okay, like, you only want the gun, like, just take the gun and leave. So she took him to the study to grab her husband's rifle. Once he had the gun, he loaded it, shot her through the head. He dusted off her, he dusted off his fingerprints, and then left the rifle right next to her. And tried to make it look like a suicide. He, there was no reason. In yeah. in his tapes, he said he just didn't care. He just that's he just killed her. There's no mo to a lot of the stuff anymore. Like he's yeah. just doing he's so just, much crazy stuff. Yeah. The stockings are almost kind of his mo, but he's still doing other things that don't match it. So he's been a little weird. Mm-hmm. He's not doing this for Satan. He's not doing <laughs> this for Jesus. He's not doing this for like anybody. It's just except for himself. Except for himself. Yeah. I'm out here and I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. 
And as we know, like some serial killers, like Richard Ramirez, they were big into this is my Satan worship. This is how I do it. And I think there was another serial killer who, who God told him he needed to murder the whole world um, just to oh, start it over yeah. again. And he had a crazy oh, yeah. friend named Charlie. Mm-hmm. He had a crazy friend named Charlie. I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah. He was he was a um, cobbler, and he dug this giant hole inside of his house, and he had all his kids working on the hole. What was his name? Yep, the shoemaker. Yes. Yes. Damn it. Well, it was Anyways. like Ted Bundy, Joseph Callinger. It was Joseph Callinger. Oh, yeah, Ted yeah. Bundy said he had a demon, remember? He yeah, said he had he the... Wasn't he wasn't doing it for he anyone. He was just saying shit. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. shit to get he out was, of He was just saying, like, oh, I have a demon. Well, obviously, this guy obviously yeah. had a demon, too. But will, yeah, Ted Bundy wasn't doing it for anyone, for Jesus yeah. or whoever. Say, yeah. He was just, just doing it. for himself. Doing it. All those good-looking guys always doing it for themselves. Seriously. Yeah. Makes Probably you look because like he's Aries. Are doing it for themselves. <laughs> I mean, yes. Benzema, if we get to the end of this and you say, I mean, I can understand why he did <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you ever just want to drive? <laughs> no, but I will say, I think that, that Slivko might be the most honest serial killer, which is like the most insane part of all of it because he was so that's what broke everything like down for or, you know breaks him away from the typical is that so many of these folks just like don't have empathy or they have this like this they're just something's just fucking gone and they're just like not seeing folks as human and like Slipco yeah. to the very end knew what he was doing was wrong and there was something that was like torturing him inside while he was actively trying to be the honestly a fucking like if he had <laughs> this sounds weird if he hadn't have done what he did um as a weird ass camp counselor and stuff like that he would be like a hero like of like humanitarians like yeah. straight up like he all and he did the hard work but he had this side and he was like writing in the letters to his wife like look out for these signs and the kids da 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 like he was aware like fully cognizant of like something is wrong you know um but like, and then you get to like folks like this, where it's just like, I don't know if they're just too fucking high on hairspray or what, but like, they just can't stop. He, you know, there's a very, very, very fine line between hero and serial killer. Obviously, <laughs> some because are if, presidents. Yeah, <laughs> but it's oh, it's very true. A lot of them have the same antisocial personality disorders that that some of the serial killers have Mm -hmm. same for the businessmen, same for uh, same for rich people, you know, in that kind of way, they sometimes have the same thing. Some of them just choose to murder people in their wallets. And some people choose to murder people and their physical murder people, you know, and it depends. And granted, you know, you could make an argument, not, I mean, not all, I'm not making the argument that all rich people are antisocial personality disorders. There's some really amazing people that are rich that donate a lot, that help a lot of people. But there's also some people that are terrible people. We We can't talk about our sponsors. Sugar daddies. Yep. Sugardaddy.com, which is actually our new sponsor. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do something sweet for yourself. Get a show. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like we got a sponsorship opportunity right there. So Paul John Knowles, he was uh, he needed a sugar mommy. So he went to Florida. He picked up a pair of hedgehikers. 
hitchhikers, <laughs> but before he could murder them, he oh, was wait, pulled over reals? by a police officer. He no. got himself a <laughs> I mean, technically, Jackie Knight, he's living out of her house for the most part, just every once mm-hmm. in a while. And so he's kind of living off of her goodwill. <laughs> His ex-wife, who the kid and the kids still like, I just want to make it clear, like he hasn't been pointed to any of these murders. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows of him yet. Nobody thinks that he's done it. Nobody has a description of him, anything like that, because everyone that's seen him is dead. And he's been gone for so long. Plus, he's been moving back and forth from different places. So murdering people in different places, robbing different houses. He's not like some other serial killers that stay in their neighborhood. He's going to all these places. So on his way to Florida, he picked up a pair of hitchhikers. But before he could murder them, he was pulled over by a police officer. Not the same police officer that he took the gun from. A different one. He changed his name. He he changed his name. (laughs) He then, Paul, changed his mind because he Mm. felt like he could easily be attributed to their death Mm. because the police officer saw them, saw the hitchhikers there. So he just drove them to Miami where they were supposed to go and just let them, let them go. Yep. And it's here after this, that he would make a pit stop that we will talk about at the end of the episode. While, while he was going through Florida, he may have picked up two more hitchhikers and murdered them, but Paul never took credit for them. So there's no guarantee that he did it, but both bodies were found in Macon, Georgia, which was pretty much near the base of his operations. He was there at the time period, and uh, they had a similar MO to what he normally did. So we'll go fast forward a little bit. On November 6th, Paul was in Milledgeville, Georgia. He had been in a bar called Pegasus, which was a known gay bar in town. Carswell Carr, which is a terrible name. No offense to this guy. His name's Carswell Carr. Sorry, buddy. I feel bad for your name. But he was 45. He met Paul at the bar. He works on bikes. He, He met Paul at the bar and by some means or another ended up with Paul at his home. Paul stripped Carswell naked and tied him up to his bed. He then started stabbing him with a pair of scissors and torturing him. Carswell didn't die of blood loss. He died of a heart attack. Oh, fuck. Because it was so horrifying. His second victim was Amanda. His second victim was Amanda Carr, Carswell's 15-year-old daughter. He strangled her with horrible violence and then attempted again, as we talked about before. He did rape her, but he because he couldn't get it up, he over and over again he tried to rape her. <clears throat> she, like all the other victims, had a nylon stocking around her neck and another shoved down her throat. Paul then took Carswell's brown leather briefcase, shaving kit, credit cards, and house keys. <clears throat> he also took a watch and a digital clock from Amanda's room. He, he took a lot of random stuff. The town was in shock, obviously, after they found this out. However, a few days later, once the murders were posted in the paper, a sales clerk at a department store remembered a man who came in and purchased a tape recorder and blank tapes with Mr. Carswell Carr's credit cards. She called the police and gave them a description. She said he was a tall, good-looking young man with red hair and a Zapata mustache. 
Zapata. Zapata, thank you. I don't know how to say that. <clears throat> so on, instead of continuing on the normal path, he did. He stayed in Georgia. Unlike the other times when he just went to a different place. He drove to Atlanta and booked a hotel room at the Holiday Inn again using the credit cards. It's here. She's so so dumb. (laughs) Yeah, it's here he would meet the lady who would write a book about him. I do want to say, this is not the same book that I read. This is a different book. At the Holiday Inn, he would meet a British journalist named Sandy Fox. F-A-W-K-E-S. That's a dope name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For him, this was his dream. He met a journalist who could one day make him the celebrity bad guy he always wanted. Yeah, On the first night, Mad. my name is Mad Dog. <laughs> Hi, my name's Mad Sandy Dog. Fox. <laughs> yeah, and they were best so, friends. They were. On the first night that they met at the bar, she noticed him immediately. I mean, who wouldn't? It's this like redheaded guy. Yep. Yeah, we, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> as he was described as extremely handsome. He came over and bought her a drink. Knowles said he was a businessman from New Mexico visiting Atlanta for a case involving a restaurant chain his father owned. Which is so very specific, but I guess being more specific makes it so more believable. So, per Fox and her book, she initially resisted his advances and joked that you could easily be another Boston Strangler for all I know. This is the best response he did to this. But the Boston Strangler is dead. Ooh. That's what he said. Casanova. Right? Yeah. Damn. For me, I would be like, well, time to go. But she was intrigued and disarmed by his charm, obviously. (laughs) That was a smooth line. He's like, I'd really like to wear your skin. And she's like, oh, my God, you like my skin? I noticed you were wearing stockings. <laughs> I'm intrigued. He's like, the stockings would look good around your neck. What do you mean? Like a scarf? I like being choked. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, no, no, no. <gasps> oh, we just... uh. So they ended up in Sandy's... <laughs> <laughs> we're all just like <laughs> Ooh, destruction of the podcast it so dry humor to die humor like what the- oh <laughs> not the dice kind they ended up in sandy's hotel room <laughs> they ended up in sandy's hotel room and they're about to do the do but paul again like we had just talked about before and all of his other things he couldn't get it up so they just cuddled the rest of the night. Aww. They just had a nice little cuddle sesh. I bet you he Aww. was a little spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He was like crying. He's like, this doesn't happen all the time, I promise. <laughs> and then she's like, it's okay, honey. And he's like, can I be the little spoon? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much that's what he did. So the next day, he he shaved off his mustache with this... <laughs> With the stolen razor from the recent murder victim. Yep. So Carswell Carr, he used the razor. So he's just using all this stuff. Oh, my God. Now he's just being weird. Yeah. Did he steal Car Car's car? He did, (laughs) yes. He stole the Carswell's car. Yep. So So their week 
Yeah, <laughs> Carswell's Cars Car. Ah. Poor guy. I mean, I feel I feel terrible. I don't um, remember the scene from Cars. <laughs> uh, it was a deleted scene. So cars, their cars, week cars. or so, <laughs> their week Sorry. or so together was defined by as Fox described it in her book, trying to ditch Paul and him being a like a like cowardly dog and kept coming back. Um, basically, she would say, "I have to go to this meeting. I have to go. Uh, I have to go uh, interview somebody for my mag for the magazine, and I I just got to go." And he's like, "Well, I'll drive you." I'll take you there. And he kept doing this over and over and like showing up and being like, here's some groceries. Here's some things like basically she and her book described it. Yeah. A jawbone. And her book described as, as she just kept like kicking him to the curb, but he's like kept coming back. Mm. And so you can actually read her book, which is called natural born killer, which also honestly has some very terrible reviews on Amazon. But if you'd like to read the point of view on John Paul or Paul John Knowles, please go ahead and read it. So we're going to go ahead and skip after Sandy Fox left him. So she survived. She basically eventually got rid of him. And it was pretty much, she just said, I'm gone. You know, and nothing happened to her. She lived. One of the people that lived. So on November 10th, Paul met James and Susan McKenzie, a British couple who knew Sandy and felt sorry for Paul after she basically kicked him to the curb. They saw that he was now all alone and had no one to go to. As we know, this is pretty much what he deserves. But they took pity on him and formed a nice, friendly, trusting relationship with him. In one day, they formed a nice, friendly, trusting relationship with him. The next day, Paul offered to drive Susan to her hair appointment. And she said, it's fine. Like, that's fine. And... And James said, like, okay, it's fine. Like, you're nice enough. Go ahead and drive her. Like, she didn't have a car. Um, So they started driving. Paul pulled over a short distance from the house and then asked Susan to have sex with him. Like any person would do. She said, no. (laughs) (laughs) So he pulled out his pistol and pointed it at her. And I do want to say, this is awesome. So instead of cowering away from it, she fought back, knocked the weapon aside. Hell yeah. She she tried to get out of the door, but before she could get out, he grabbed a fistful of her hair. Oh. She broke loose and ran into the road. Damn. She waved down a passing motorist and immediately went straight to the police with the description. Fuck yeah, girl. <clears throat> yeah. So she got away. Hell yeah. Robert the Redford police... just tried to kidnap me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be like, oh my God, cool, Robert. Yeah. So the oh police God, put out a. In me? <laughs> he's interested in me. Oh, I'll send like him a nice you. letter. <laughs> the police put out a bulletin looking for the man named Daryl Golden, <laughs> which was he gave them that name, Daryl Golden. Which I just want to say that's a pretty fucking cool name. Yeah. Is it? Daryl Golden. Yeah, me and Betsabe yeah. are like. Uh... Yeah, but like at the maybe time. this is like so at the time maybe this is like be... a guy's name. Well, no, it's like at the time, it's going to be like, um, yeah, so I have a reservation for two under Mr. Golden. See? Yeah. It's oh, all about saying the last you know name. I'm saying it's that no, I would be like, okay. Mr. Golden Potato Skin? I do have a running, <laughs> like, a running like rule in life, which is never trust a Daryl. Ever. Never trust them. Just saying. Well, we won't unpack that yet. Um, 
season. If you listen to next season two, we'll unpack that. So not too long after that, (laughs) not too long after that, a West Palm Beach policeman recognized the white Chevrolet Impala and pulled Paul over. Paul pulled out a sawn-off shotgun and pointed it at the officer. It's not the same freaking officer that got his gun stolen. But the officer dropped to the ground underneath the door and then just waited until Paul pulled away. Not again. (laughs) This, like, reminds me of the movie uh, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger when he keeps messing with the same cop. (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like it's they're inspired story. by the autobiography of Robert Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford, yes. 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 <laughs> so after he pulled away on the same day, Barnaby Jones. On that same day, he pulled up to the home of Beverly Maybe, who was a wheelchair wheelchair bound older woman. Excuse me. Uh, Paul introduced himself as Bob Williams from the IRS. And asked if he could come in. First off, I just want to stop and say to everyone, if there's someone at your door saying they're from the IRS, do not let them in. Yeah, even if they're from do the IRS. Do not let them in. Yeah. Yes. Especially they will send, if they are from the IRS. They will send you mail. But because she was older, wheelchair bound, she wanted to not seem like she was not trusting of the government. She said, okay, please come on in. But as soon as he crossed the door frame, he changed his demeanor and told her he needed a getaway car. She did not have a car, so she told him her sister. (laughs) She did not have a car, so she told him her sister, Barbara Tucker, had a car and would be home soon. So Paul just sat down and waited patiently. I just wonder okay. what that conversation was like. She's like, he so just sat there. Are, are you from the IRS? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could have kept that up and be like, hey, so um, we're actually here to make up for lost taxes. And we're, yeah, we're repossessing your car. I don't have a car. Your uh, brother's car. I don't have a brother. Your sister's car. She's going to be over in 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. I do want to say that I think Paul, he's one of those guys that has like an, an, a great opening line, you know? Mm-hmm. He has like a really great opening line. But after that opening line, he just falls apart, you know? Like mm-hmm. I feel like cuz like he he gets in and he's like so excited and he's like I got in and then he's like, "Oh shit, now what do I do?" Yeah. So then he pulls out his gun and starts blasting. No, I mean he's <laughs> he just he just kind of doesn't have the the follow-up. So I feel like if he was actually Robert Redford, mm-hmm. he would probably be like uh when you see a great trailer, Mm-hmm. And then you see the movie, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh man, all the good parts of this were in mm-hmm. the trailer. Mm-hmm. Why do I need to see the movie?" Mm. Yeah. yeah, that makes so. Sense. After he waited patiently, Barbara Tucker arrived. He tied Beverly up and forced Barbara to go with him to Fort Pierce in her Volkswagen. At the hotel, he again tried to rape her, rape her as as we're distinguishing this, but he couldn't get it up. And then he left her tied and gagged in the hotel room and took the car. So in the documentary I watched, it was a very short, very small documentary on YouTube. She talks about that she never thought that he was going to murder her. She just got that 
feeling that he wasn't going to murder her, and she didn't know that this guy was on the run for a lot of things. Um, and and she said it in a weird way. She also didn't think. I think it's just because he's a good-looking guy that she never felt like it was it was trying to rape her, which was kind mm-hmm. of a weird way for her to say this, you know. And it was just. I, I never understood why she was talking like this, but I think it was just because he was a good looking guy. And so he left her in the hotel room. She got out of her binds and called the police. Again, she gave the police a detailed ID and they finally got the name of who they were looking for. Paul, Paul John Knowles. Now the police all over the state were looking for him and a police officer named Charles Eugene Campbell saw the Volkswagen. He pulled him over and stopped the driver for questioning. But like every other time, Paul drew his gun before the officer could even reach for his. I feel like Paul's like a Billy the Kid with police officers. Um, so he all ordered the officer to cuff himself and get in the back of the patrol car. <laughs> Why is Gil dying? Because he wants to say it's the same police officer like he has he been does. episode. I really just wanted the whole time. It is not the same police officer. <laughs> the whole time I'm picturing the same cop. Let's just say it is. He's being relocated all across the country. He's like, God damn it. He just has the unlucky thing. So he then got in the front seat and stole the police car. And he left the Volkswagen on the side of the road. So during the kidnapping... A passing motorist noticed and called the police. The police actually were not able to arrive in time, of course. Couldn't get to there. And so Paul, smartly knowing he needed to get rid of the police car, used it to his advantage. He pulled over a car, another car, with the police car, driven by James Meyer near a wooded area. He put Meyer and the officer into the back of the Ford Gran Torino that he has stolen from James Meyer. He then got back on his way in the new car. Paul pulled into a gas station in Lakeland, Georgia, to buy some cigarettes. The shop owner rightly noticed that a police officer was in the back of the car, but then just shrugged and thought nothing of it. He just sees a police officer kind of in the back, locked in the back of the car while this guy's going in there. He's like, eh, it's He's fine. Like, must be a stripper. <laughs> yeah, it must be a stripper. <laughs> so there's two people in the back of this car now. Um, after he just shrugged it off, until later he saw reports of the crime and then called the description of the new vehicle to the police. So now the police had a description of the vehicle, the new vehicle that he's stolen. The next day, on November 17th, two Georgia sheriffs saw the blue Ford traveling on the highway. They set up roadblocks everywhere and didn't get a hit until 1.10 that afternoon. Instead of surrendering, he went out in the devil rejects way, blasting Freebird and busted through the barrier. Oh my God. After he busted through the barrier, he crashed into a tree. He was hurt, but not dead. He jumped out and started running. So the police searched the car, but could not find the trooper or James Meyer. The police searched the woods, but could not find anything on Paul John Knowles. 
Eventually, Knowles ended up out of the clearing on the homestead of David Clark. Clark grabbed his hunting shotgun and approached him. He saw that this man was bleeding and exhausted. Paul simply told him, Please help me. So Clark took him to a neighbor's house where they called the police. It was there they finally took him into custody. God dang it. Jeez. So the police inquired as to where, of course, James Meyer and Eugene Campbell, the trooper, were. But he would only say, in quotations, one word would reveal where the men were. In quotations. Sadly to say, both men were found by hunters around Thanksgiving, like the other one was, both handcuffed to a tree and shot in the head execution style. Damn. Once they told Paul they had found the men, Paul smiled and said, the word was Pabst. Looking at the area, there was a Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery near where the men were killed. This guy's such a douchebag. Sadistic. Yeah, he, is. he is sadistic. So now he was behind bars and waiting to be arraigned. He called for his lawyer, <clears throat> as we mentioned before, one Sheldon Yavitz, Yavitz. Who also got him out. Yavitz. I call him Yavitz, but Yavitz. The same guy who got him out on parole before. So now we can go back to the tapes that he had stolen in the murder and robbery early on. He recorded himself talking about the people he had murdered and what he had done. He handed them over to Sheldon Yavitz and said that the lawyer could release them only after his death because he wants to be famous. He just wants everything to be like, yeah, finally, I get my, I get my moment of fame. The judge in the, in the whole uh, trial found out about the tapes and he ordered them to be released and to be used as evidence. But Yevitz said he could not due to attorney client privilege. Imagine being a lawyer and having to defend somebody like that. And you're like, this could, you know, put a very bad man behind bars, but the money or the fame or the, you know, some of them are public defenders too, that are kind of forced into it. And that yeah. I will say they have to take like a oath type of thing where they kind of like yep. therapists, you know, they can't judge. Yeah, there's you. The, yeah, yeah. It's their and, job. And that, that's kind of a yeah. you know. I, I think a lot of them just think that like everybody deserves defense, a fair chance, and yeah, a fair chance. And to be fair, some I mean, th- not this guy. This guy's guilty as hell. But some people we all know. And we have seen are put on death row being innocent. So everybody deserves a chance to be defend, have a defense. Isn't that Um, on the constitution too? Yes. Yes. So to this, you know, Yavit said that he could not release the tapes that were given to him. The judge said, well, you're going to go in contempt of court. So you're going to jail. He, the judge threw Paul's 
lawyer in jail for holding back evidence. Damn. The judge also threw the lawyer's wife into jail. Damn. Why? Because they both wouldn't give evidence, so they were uh, put into jail for withholding evidence from court. Damn. So the judge said, and I think this was a strategic move by the judge, mm-hmm. um, which is, it, it's kind of bad because the, the lawyer's wife didn't do anything, but she also wanted to like, you know, uh, say that like, I'm helping my husband. I'm not going to release this as well. I'm I'm fulfilling his wishes. But the lawyer said, okay, I don't want my wife in jail, obviously. Like she did nothing. So he said he would release the tapes. But the lawyer could not post the $15,000 bail. So the lawyer stayed in jail. So now Paul John Knowles and his lawyer are both in jail. Oh, my God. Got so much time to plan a defense. (laughs) (laughs) So he had to have a public defender. Oh, shit. Um, Knowles smiled as he walked into the courtroom because people were lining up on the courthouse trying to get a view of what was now deemed as the Casanova killer. So a lot of people were just like in Richard Ramirez's case, they're writing him. They were watching him. They're seeing this. It was a pretty well-to-do case in Georgia and the area. So he was in the courtroom and was pretty much set on heading to the electric chair, which I, I do want to write. They said, the lawyer and him were talking and he said the last thing that he wanted to do was ever be killed by electric chair. He would rather be shot. He would rather be strangled. He would rather be anything. He did not want to go to the electric chair. Too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think those people yep. wanted to die? Exactly. Yeah, it's like, uh, you don't get to choose. <laughs> yeah. So Paul at this time, he had been a guest of the city lockup for a while, which is kind of like a surprise. He's not in state penitentiary yet. So he was eventually transferred to Douglas County Jail on December 4th because they were said that they could hold a person who had actually escaped jail before. So a few weeks after his transfer on December 18th, Paul told Sheriff Lee and a a Bureau of Investigation agent, Ron Angel, Ron Angel, that he would lead them to the service revolver of the officer that he murdered which was a crucial piece of evidence in the case. And no, it's not the same service revolver that he stole from the other guy, Gil. (laughs) So they put him in the back seat and Sheriff Lee drove. Paul had handcuffs securing his wrists and ankles. They had traveled a bit down the road and like a wannabe James Dean or Robert Redford bad boy movie scene, Paul lit up a cigarette. There you go. Wow! (laughs) This guy is so ridiculous. Yep. So He's so extra. Yeah. The sheriff told him to hand the cigarette over. Paul put out the cigarette and then lunged forward. He had picked the lock with a broken piece of paper clip he had stolen from the jail. Paul grabbed at the sheriff's gun, which went paper? off in the holster. So he grabbed the gun. Whoa took the and shot in the holster. Mm-hmm. It did not hit the sheriff or the for investigation. Sheriff Lee kept battling and he was also driving, trying Damn. to push this guy back. So he's just sitting there with one hand on his right hand, pushing him back, trying to make sure that 
that this guy doesn't get his revolver because it's going to be like the other ones. He's just going to kill him and get away again. Mm -hmm. So Ron Angel, being the angel in this situation, pulled his gun and shot him three times. Yay. Right? One bullet went into Noel's chest, hit a bone, and exited his right side. The second went in under his right arm, and the third bullet went in right into his brain. The car skidded off the highway and into a small embankment. PJK was dead. Yay. Yay. Paul John Knowles was dead. And I think that if he had gotten the gun of the sheriff, both the sheriff and the agent would be dead. And he would be again on the run. He was dead, and we were left with his tapes. Justice was not served. They searched his jail cell and found a few things scribbled on the walls. In quotations, this is what he wrote. When this is over, I will be more famous, or even more so. And then wrote, Paul John Knowles, December 4th, 1974, until, question mark. (laughs) Yeah, forever? (laughs) Question mark. Right? And he was gone. A man who had a four-month reign of terror in 1974, pretty much from Florida all the way to Nevada. He was proven to have committed 18 murders, but could have killed up to 31 people. And he joined a huge list of serial killers in the 1970s, but couldn't even make waves until more recently. Because to me, he was a mustached little asshole. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on Paul John Knowles, the Casanova Killer. We just hit one year of episodes. We'll be starting season two off with the bang next week with Cannibal Month. Keeping with the cannibal theme every week, we'll be delving into a new cannibal. Can't wait to roll this out for you. Please follow us on Instagram and like, review, and follow. And we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>